Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Robbie Aaron. Robbie talks us through his musical and expat journey from growing up in LA to now residing in Munich. We get into how Robbie's early days as a teen were spent playing in punk bands, in fact he still is, and finding structure in the music and some ups and downs along the way. Fast forward to January 2021 and Robbie found himself in Munich to start a new chapter with his girlfriend, whom he'd met while in LA. We get into the significant changes and pace of lifestyle between the two locations, where Robbie found inspiration for new music and the writing process. Robbie lifts the lid on the future of the band, forthcoming new material, the single Break the Cycle, the Spotify algorithm and the artistic joys of making music videos. We have a great chat about that. In the top five, we talk new metal, why we should be listening to Authority Zero, Breaking in a Sequence, and Social Distortion. We talk about the House of Blues in Anaheim, well, Robbie talks a bit more about that than I do, and we get a bit philosophical about just what is good music, the eternal question, eh? We also talk about the inclusive nature of the punk music scene. All this and what difference being an Aries makes. Let's get right to it, Robbie Aaron. So I'm a musician. I'm 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 the lead singer of a punk rock band called Ocean's Way, based in Munich, Germany. And if you would have told me 20 years ago when I first picked up a guitar that I'd be playing in a German band, I'd say you're crazy. I'd say you're out of your mind, man. What the hell are you talking about, Germany? What? Like that was just so. That was another planet as far as I, as far as I was concerned when I was a kid. I grew up in Los Angeles in a suburb of LA in a predominantly working class uh, Hispanic community. And um, there wasn't a ton of structure in my household growing up. I'll be honest, it was pretty chaotic to say the least. Um, but one thing there was no shortage of was music. Um, so I grew up in the 90s and this was when punk rock and grunge were exploding. With that lack of structure, I kind of found it in music. You know, I was just, I would grab me and my brother were very close and we would spend hours watching MTV. I tell people this all the time, uh, for better or for worse, we were raised by a television and a radio. <laughs> it's a very 90s thing to do. It's probably an 80s thing to oh, do as well. In some exactly. Right? I mean, when you say that to kids now, they probably don't know what That's you're talking true. about. What is this MTV you and, speak yeah, of? You know? and what is a stereo? What is a CD player? What, is a CD player? <laughs> yeah. what are you talking about, man? It's, it's crazy. It, it makes you feel old sometimes. You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but um, no, um, you know, music was that important to, to, to myself and my, my family. My dad introduced punk rock into our household and it just made sense to me. Like punk just sort of clicked for me at, at, as a kid, you know. And if that's happening as a kid, then that tells me then that that's what I kind of, I don't know. Um, that's that's what I gravitate towards because, it, like I said, it just makes sense. I mean, I listen to other things as well. I mean, growing up in LA, you're, you know, there was a ton of hip hop as well. Like we listened to a lot of 
uh, NWA, Tupac, Biggie, Snoop Dogg, all these West Coast artists who are just as influential as the rock on the radio. So it was like this just plethora of music just being thrown at me. And I loved every bit of it because all these crazy sounds were coming out. And the 90s was just such a, you know, different time for music because they were starting to experiment with things. And I loved it, everything, you know. So, like I said, I found refuge in, in music. It was kind of like a safe place for me when things were popping off in the house, fights or, you know, drama. I mean, we moved houses a lot as a kid. I didn't have a very stable childhood. We went from house to house to house. We never had one place, always changing friends. So it was a lot for a kid, you know. But music was always my saving grace, uh, in particular punk rock, because of that, you know, it, that grittiness, that, um, that angst, you know, and that angst let me express the anger that I was feeling that I didn't even understand myself. And um, I mean, one of my favorite bands was uh, Social Distortion, which is a local band over here in L.A. I remember looking at like the sleeve of the CD. I'd open the booklet and I'd see pictures of Mike Ness with his tattoos, holding semi-hollow body guitar and thinking, I want to be just like that guy when I grow up, you know. And <laughs> whereas other kids were like looking to basketball players, and football players, presidents and stuff, I, those weren't my role models. My role models were rock stars, man. Yeah. You can't really help what you gravitate towards, I think. Sure. That's you can still enjoy your sports and all that, but if there's something that if there's something that just uh, as you were saying there, like it just it hits you, you can't really explain how or why, but it's right. just something inside that clicks right. and exactly. then you're like, that's, all right. that's a great point. You can't really help what, you know, inspires you. Um if it clicks, it clicks. You just gotta run with it. And and believe me, I've tried I've dabbled in many things in my life. I mean Music isn't all I do. I mean, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm also a big nerd. Uh, you know, I, I love to learn. I love, I studied politics in college. Um, I was actually going to be a, uh, a diplomat for the U.S. government at one point. <laughs> I was seriously considering a career in government for a while. Um, but again, um, the older I got, the more passion started to outweigh sort of like, I guess, societal norm, you know what I mean? Because for me, it kind of started to become more of a question of, mm -hmm. well, do I really want to do this or am I doing what I think I should be doing? You know what I'm saying? And music just, I don't know. I I, I even like stopped doing music for a while. So let, let me kind of back up a little bit. I started my first band at 13. Um, I was still in middle school at the time. And this is when you didn't spread the word with Instagram. You spread the word about your shows with flyers. Right, exactly. Yeah. You get a flyer, or, you know, you, get, you can print 100 of them or 150 or whatever That's you can right. get the best deal for. Oh, yeah, yeah man. I remember we, those we days We would do the well. illustration on them and everything, and we'd write every band that was playing and two bucks at the door, and, you know, and, and me and my brother would be making them in, in our room. We're not even old enough to drink, and we're right here, like, getting ready for this party where there's plenty of alcohol <laughs> and drugs and all kinds of stuff that we were exposed way too young but you know we were just right there doing our thing and dude it was amazing like that experience was so crazy you know i mean thinking back to like oh so i grew up around music so i mean my parents would take us to concerts and stuff and they'd even take us to like local shows like backyard shows and me and my brother loved it i think my brother went in the mosh one time and he was only like six um so when we were teens we were like we we already know this you know what i mean like this is this is who we are. So 
I just remember when I started my first band, though, that was a game changer for me. I was like, this is something I totally want to do, you know? And punk made it really easy for me because you didn't have to be like, I don't know, U2 or you didn't have to be like Eddie Van Halen and Super Technical, although I loved both of those bands. You could just put three, four chords together and do it really fast and then you can get the whole party moving. And we did that successfully at 13. And I was like, dude, this is cool. I want to I keep doing this. So that carried on. Uh, this, this punk rock band that I was really admiring at the time um, that was big locally in L.A., I would go to all their shows and my brother like kind of like and really like man. and we heard that your guitar is left and they were already in their 20s I was only 15 so that was like way too old for me I was like dude these guys are like adults fuck and he he's like dude you got a shot take it I'm like okay so I got that was like I guess the step up in my music career like so i started you know just in backyards and now i'm playing venues now i'm playing in hollywood to these sold out shows i'm only used to playing for like maybe 25 people at a backyard gig 30 people you know and now i'm playing these sold out shows at 15 and i just i i think i was too young to process it all there's not many of us get get to that stage robbie yeah to be honest with you it's um it's quite a unique situation, you know. We're doing other things at 15 for sure, right? But uh, to take that kind of step Absolutely. up there, to go into the, the bigger leagues, as it were, you know, it's quite a, quite a jump. Man. Quite a jump, man. And, and and it was a jump, like I said, that I wasn't quite prepared for. Um, but I did it anyways because, I mean, I mean, I was 15 and what the hell else was I going to do? These guys want me in their band and they feel confident enough for me to play. And I'm like, why the hell not? So, you know... There I was, uh, 15, at the, the Knitting Factory in Hollywood, sold out. And I remember, like, just a year prior, I was at that same venue watching my favorite band. And now I'm on stage playing in front of all these people. So, I was, oh, shit, dude. Um, but it was awesome. It was great. I guess that was, that was, like, so that was a great step up for me. But it was also kind of the first falling out that I had with music because I mean, there was a lot of, how can I put it, surrounding circumstances that, you know, when you're young, people are crazy, people are experimenting. And I was kind of hanging out with, not gangs, but I was hanging out with what they called party crew, which were just a, a step behind gang. They were still packed, like they still had their numbers. They were violent. They still beat people up. But the difference was they just did it at party. They didn't go around doing it, like shaving their head and all that. It was just like we were a bunch of punks and we started this crew. And I was in this, this crew before I got in the band. So when I got into the band, the crew would come to all the shows. And I remember I would get into a fight or one of my crew would get into a fight for the show. We basically had to leave the show before I went on stage. And I'd be, I have to tell my guys, like, I can't play tonight. And they're like, what do you mean we're about to go on? There's like full crowd outside. I was like, I know, dude, but I can't. And I did that several times until they eventually kicked me out of the band. So that was a blow for me, you know, and one that I obviously deserved because, I mean, I wasn't taking it seriously. I was so involved in this crazy. There might be a certain kind of case of immaturity involved there as well, though, just purely because of what age you you were. 100%. I mean, I, I didn't know anything at this point about, like, 
adulting. And I mean, these guys were already in their, like I said, in their twenties and they already had jobs and they already had, I don't know. They were at, they were at the age where like, you're kind of past that. Well, I don't want to say past that. That's still a young age, but you know, they more or less got that craziness out of their system and they were kind of a a little bit more level-headed, not, not much more, but a little bit more, you know? (laughs) And so, um, like, I I don't want to make it too long winded, but basically that was my first fault falling out with music it was a blow for sure because i had never been kicked out of a band before and i remember i was just so my, my ego was so hurt like oh dude just yeah. destroyed yeah. i was like can I imagine dude, like, they kicked me out of the band and you know i started drinking and, and it was just ugly dude i fell into a depression and um things were just ugly at that time and then i i stopped the whole band thing and i kind of us really wanted to clean up my act so from like 17 to about like 20, dude, I didn't, I didn't really do any band or touring or nothing. I was just uh, clean. I was sober because I, 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 I was sober for a while, for like a good eight years. I just, I don't know. I just didn't want to do that anymore. Like that just didn't appeal to me. Like was at a point where I think I want to do this, you know? And, and it was funny because it was when I was getting into college that I also kind of simultaneously picked up my guitar again. And I was like, I had these, these very kind of, how can I put it, opposing forces. Like one of me wants to learn and the other me wants to just rock out. And they were like butting heads. I was like, shit, you know? But that, that, so 10, basically 12 years ago now was when I officially jumped back into the music scene and was like, I want to do this. Here we are today, man. Like I'm in this band and we're doing really good. It's in Germany. Like, like I said, I never thought that would happen, but, um, I guess this is a good segue now to kind of explain how that happened, the whole expat situation. What happened was, so I was, in, I was in bands and stuff that weren't really seeing success in LA. I mean, again, dude, I was having falling outs throughout the mid-2000s. Like, none of these bands were working. I was doing stuff that I didn't want to do. I was playing, like, I was playing in these indie bands and these, like, post-punk synth dark wave fucking joy division bands like everybody <laughs> loves that shit out here i don't understand it i fucking <laughs> i mean i don't okay not to knock that though any other genre but it's just not me it didn't speak to me the way punk did you know but people i think that's a more genuine way of saying it right because it's always easy to right uh, especially if you play an instrument or you play in a band there's, there's certain things that you just don't like playing or you don't get or you don't dig it you're just like this is not fun man you got it. <laughs> you know, I'd rather be doing something else. Yeah, so. and you know it. You know, and, and you as a musician, you understand. Like you've been, I'm sure you've been in a ton of bands, and you're playing, and you're just like, I'm not grooving in this, dude. Like this is just, I don't, I'm so, not even sorry, but I just, this is not me. You have to get to a point where you're you're honest with yourself, and you're like, is this really what I want to do? You have to ask yourself that question. And I was in a band for like four years doing that kind of stuff. We were doing good because I was promoting the hell out of it. I mean, I was getting us all the shows because. I mean, I had all this experience doing that. I mean, I'm really good at networking. I'm really good at getting um, the attention of people and, and help, like keeping them interested because, I don't know, it's something I was blessed with and that really helped me out in music. But the shitty part was I didn't care about the band I was in. So I was like, man, like I'm investing all this time and money and energy into this band that I can't stand. I left that band in, officially in 2018. And it's funny because, well, it was more of a breakup. We were about to open up for uh, Drama Rama. You remember Drama Rama from the from the eighties? Anything, anything, any. We were about to open up for them, 
and I had a fight with the drummer because the tension was already boiling, man. We, we, right. <laughs> we couldn't stand each other. And it was literally the stupidest thing that we broke up over. It was, it was 2018. And then um, I was trying to start other bands after that, but I wasn't really finding anybody, dude, like no one. I was putting out ads on Craigslist. I was putting out like, you know, everything, dude, and nothing was coming in. So I was like, shit. I don't know if it's a style. Were you looking at doing more your your own thing? Yeah, at this then probably like more of a punk based. Absolutely, a hundred sound. Exactly, a hundred percent. I was more so trying to do music that made more sense to me because I felt like if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this on my own. And this was actually the first time I was ever the frontman. I've always been the guitarist in band. Singing came much later for me in my musical career. But I've always wanted to do it. But I guess I never had the confidence or maybe I was like, didn't feel like I was good enough, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, why don't I just give it a shot? You know, what, what do I have to lose? You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, I'm starting this band. I'm the lead singer. And this is what I want to do. This was in LA. I met one dude. We had a few good jams, but we couldn't get the rest of the band to get together. And then he eventually fizzled out. And I was like, shit. But he liked the song. And I was like, even though that band didn't work, that was a confidence boost for me. You know, that means I could do this. Fast forward, uh, 2019 was a game changer for me. So I had just got fired. <laughs> I had just got fired. It was a good sign, right? <laughs> um, from my job. Okay. And I was working at this mall, uh, outdoor, like, not like a mall, like where you, you know, people come and like snack indoors. It, it was this huge mall outside. And I, and I was working in, in this like, guest services position they they wanted me because I'm, I'm fluent in several languages i did rather good in that position but long story short they they gave me the boot because the the management couldn't stand me they thought that i was like a threat to their company like this kid's gonna move up and we need to get rid of him i'm, I'm not even kidding you that's exactly why they got rid of me um it was crazy politics in that job so i got the boot at the tail end of 2019 i'm down and out i'm just working out one day I don't want to divulge, divulge too much about my relationship, but <laughs> right, no. um, I, I met this German girl. So I started talking to this German girl. Um, and uh, because we had mutual friends on our Facebook, and I'm like, I'm very forward. You know, I'm like, wait, how do we have so many friends in common, but I've never met this? That doesn't make sense. And she's beautiful. And I'm like, well, what the hell? I'm gonna reach out and be like, "Hey, hi, my name's Robbie. Who, you know, nice to meet." You. Dating at in these times is like a freaking is like a B movie, man. Don't, don't do it. It's not worth <laughs> it. Dude. It's not worth. Well, it. I'm sure there's a screenplay or two in there as well, or a song or two, right? So you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we hit it, like we, you know, she, then she wrote back and said, "Hey, hi, oh, um, you know, nice to meet you." And oh, I know so and so, and I was like, "Oh, that that was my friend." You mentioned um. I noticed you're from, you lived in Korea, right? Right. Yeah. So we, we had a friend from South Korea that we had in common on our face. And um, because I've been there as well. It's a great place, South Korea. I was like, oh, that's cool. So you know him. So she basically, long story short, she was studying English in the city of uh, Whittier, where I was born. She was studying English and we put two and two together. And it was crazy because little did we know, eight years ago, our Korean friend was supposed to introduce to go on a date and fast forward eight years we connect on Facebook 
and we met without him even telling us to meet. You know what I mean? So I'm like, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> and we, long story short, we just hit it off. And then the freaking government announces there's this virus going around. And I'm like, oh, shit. And everything's closing down. And this was already by March of 2020. So that's just like a beginning, right, of the yeah, the on- stuff happening. The onset of the pandemic. And, mm. you know, at this point, we're kind of getting a, like chummy, you know. We're, we're, we're obviously at a point where we, we dig each other, you know, and we're totally down to, like, meet up and, like, you know, maybe see where this can go. Um, so I'm like, well, how about this? Why don't we meet up and, uh, you know, let's, let's see where our relationship And she goes, okay. So we planned it for June 2020. And then I booked a ticket to Munich where she lived. And the airline, like a month before, refunds the ticket and says, you can't go because no airlines are going out to Germany. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, Shit, dude. And at this point, yeah, they're like, it's nothing personal, buddy, but you know, yeah. it's uh... <laughs> right. So we had to jump through so many loops, dude, to figure this out. And we were pretty much giving up on the relationship. I was like, well, I guess it's not meant to be. We can't. I mean, I, I really like you, but I, I just, you know, and I, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. So I figured, I mean, hell, I can go to Germany and see, you know, how this goes because she's really cool. And we're, we're, I'm talking to her better than I did any chick i was dating here in la you know what brought me to germany was love first first and foremost was my was my girlfriend who i'm still with um i mean that that in itself dude is a huge story i'd love to tell you um it how how it went but like just getting there to meet her was crazy man i had to like i had to take a bus through like three countries because you know covid was crazy and um i it was insane like it, it was so crazy how how we met up um, flew to london flew to croatia fucking took a bus through slovenia and austria <laughs> just to get to germany dude and it was insane like that could be a movie in itself that could be a podcast in itself like that that journey to get to meet and 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 that was eventually how it happened and that was september 2020 so we en- eventually meet up we realize we like each other so i'm like well let's do this then and she wasn't really in a position to come to america like i said i didn't have anything keeping me in the states so i thought well then i'll just come to germany you know and we'll make this work so that's how that happened so january 2021 i started my life in munich and the rest is history. <laughs> you've been you've been, you've been together uh, ever since Ever since, yeah, yeah, we're still together, and we we talk every day, and you know, I mean, you know, long distance. So like, th- this isn't new for you know, when whatever we're separated. So um, I guess getting into the whole expat Munich thing. Um, so here I am, you know, I've I've never lived. You turn in- up with a bag, literally with a bag, and yeah. did you bring your guitar with you? Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe, I, mean, I was going to see you bust stuff, right? So I, you know, I was- thank you for asking that I, uh, question. I was not going to waste any time. So like I said, this is coming out of all that craziness that I just talked about, right? So I got my guitar with me. I said, look, if I'm going to go to Munich, I got to do this right. You know, I can't waste any time. I mean, I didn't see success in LA, but I might see it in Germany. And sure enough, that's what happened. So I packed my guitar. We get to, we get to Germany. I get to Germany. And at this point, I don't speak the language. 
Um, everything's closed. Germans are very efficient, as you know. And it was just a pain in the ass to go to the store sometimes. And it was, it, I'll be honest, the first six months were hell, dude, living in a foreign country. I mean, it's hard on its own when you, when there is no pandemic living in a foreign country, getting, you know, acclimatizing to everything that's new to you. But with the pandemic involved, that was just a whole other mindfuck, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm here. I have nothing but time. And I have my guitar. And I don't know what it is about Germany, dude, but I was, my songs were just like flowing. I could, I had a writer's block here and now. Must be all that good Bavarian, a combination of the Bavarian beer and the, the Munich <laughs> air, whatever it was. You know, it's a, a heady mix, you know. I think it was also Beethoven and Mozart in the air, dude. I think I was getting there. Yeah, <laughs> totally, man. It's, whole... it's a vibe. I mean, you live in Germany, so it's it's a vibe. It's for me. I think what it was was um, that crazy. LA is very fast, dude. It's too fast here, man. Like people are very superficial. They got somewhere to be, somewhere to talk to. You know, sometimes you don't even know who the fuck your friends are. You know, it, it's it's really not a good place if you're trying to connect with yourself. I'll be honest. It's great for your entertainment career. Absolutely. I, I recommend everybody come here to make connections 100%. But as far as connecting with yourself, this is not the place to be. In fact, this is the place to come if you want to get lost. <laughs> You know, um, but creatively, it's wonderful to express. It. So I guess that's why it works for me as a creative. But when I got to Germany, Munich of all places, I mean, good old München is a very, I guess, traditional place to put it, you know, I guess. Top. It's fairly conservative, I would say, you know, as a, as a, only visited it once, but from mm-hmm. maybe the people, the, who run the city or the, the you know, the city government, the, the politics of the place might be a bit in the conservative side. 100%, man. I mean... I don't want to yeah. surmise anything there, but, you know, just as a, an observation. Of no, of course. And same. I'm not trying to knock Bavaria at all. I love Bavaria. I love Munich. I, mean, I consider it my second home at this point, man. I mean, I'm wearing the 1860s right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some Polana in the fridge, actually. But, oh, man. I'll save, I'll save that for later. Crack you know? that out, man. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, the difference in the community was uh, a big one for me because you're going from this really fast-paced environment of L.A., and now you're in this traditional farmland of Bavaria. So it's really beautiful. It's picturesque. They've got, they've got the, the Izar River that flowed not far from our flat, you know, and I would go there all the time and just think about life and have a, have a cold one right there and play my guitar and that's actually where i got a lot of my inspiration was the Izar river just i don't know just something about it. it was very meditative like i said my song started to flow because i didn't have any more of this noise drowning me out so i thought okay let's do this and i kid you not dude like three songs just nothing came out of me three solid songs and i'm like holy shit i was writing lyrics i had like i mean because lyrics was always the hardest thing for me it was always like the part where I was, I dread the most was writing lyrics. Melodies and all this other stuff is, is no problem, but lyrics, like something I didn't want to touch. But here, dude, like I said, I just felt like nothing but solitude and peace of mind. So, like, I could actually hear myself speaking for once, you know? 
I wasn't drowned out by all the conversations that are held in this crazy city. I got these songs, and I was really confident about it. All right, three songs. And so I said, okay, I'm going to start a band. I'm like, okay, how am I going to do it? So I went online. I tried Band Mix, which is an, a profile for musicians to kind of network. And that's basically how you get members. But I wasn't seeing anything. People would see my post, but that's about it. So I thought I need to take more direct action. So I decided to make a flyer. And I put a, my picture on it, holding my guitar. I took, it's funny because I, I had taken that headshot when I wanted to be an actor here in Hollywood. Um, but I was like, it was with me and my guitar. But I thought, this actually works better for my flyer to get members. The, <laughs> so it served a purpose. It didn't get me a whole lot of acting gigs, but it, it served a purpose <laughs> to help me find members. So. Me and my girlfriend, uh, she printed out uh, a hundred of these flyers at her job, and um, she helped. I, I said we should probably do it in German because we're in Germany. I mean, I'll say what I want to say in English, and she helped me translate. And we literally walked everywhere in you know the Altstadt, Glockenbachviertel, you know, um, Heidhausen, which is where where we live. All, all those four points. We just, we tried not to miss anything where we saw like an opportunity. And, and this was, this was January, dude. So it was freezing, man. We're, we're, I, I'm from California, dude. When I got, when I got to Germany, I got fucking sick. <laughs> like as soon as I got off the plane, I got sick. I literally like got a cold and I was like dying. I was like, I'm like <laughs> um, eventually I kind of got. Used to I toughened you up a little bit over oh, the yeah. time, I'm sure. I mean, 100%. Yeah, like I'm so much more equipped for cold weather now than I was prior to going to Germany. Um, but getting there was, was another story. So so here we are, me and my girlfriend putting up flyers. And, you know, we put the little cutoffs too with like the numbers and, and the email and everything. And um, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. Um, so two weeks go by, nothing. I thought, oh. Okay, well, maybe it's going to be the same story. Maybe, maybe, maybe Germans are even more coy than uh, Americans. But then the, the messages start flooding into my inbox on WhatsApp. They're like, hey, bro, I heard you have this band. Uh, that sounds good. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> you know? And I was getting messages from like, people from all over. Like, I was uh, like Polish people, Spanish people. Because, I mean, Munich is a pretty big melting pot. Or our, it's a growing melting Relatively pot. speaking. Re relatively speaking, yeah. Exactly. Um, and there's people from all over. There's a lot of expats in Munich. So that was cool. Um, what I did to, to solidify my band was I would literally bike all over Germany. I kid you not. I, I mean, I didn't have a car. And I was still figuring out, you know, the, the, the subway and everything. So I thought I'll just take the streets and uh, I, I would literally bike all over Munich and demo these musicians at a studio. I'd have them come to the studio and I'd say, okay, here's my song. And, or, or I would go to their house because they had a studio at their house. And I'd say, okay, here's the song. Some people were great. Some people were not so great. Eventually I found my guys, um, a German guy, uh, Chris, a guy from, the, from Ecuador of all places on, on bass. The drummer was the hardest thing to find. That was the thing that I was not finding. Guitarists and I feel like bassists are kind of like a dime a dozen. Drummers are hard. This guy from the Czech Republic calls me and he's like, "Hey man, I saw your flight, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Cool, 
let's meet up and let's see how it goes. And we meet up and it didn't go so well. And I was like, thank you. Appreciate it. That was it. But after him, I wasn't finding anybody. He was like the only guy. And he, but he kept texting me. Hey, Robbie, did you find anybody? Is there anybody who wants to be in your band? Because I want to be in your band, man. He, you know, he has that Slavic accent. And I was like, um, well, no. I'm, I'm still demoing like people and stuff. So uh, I'll let you know. I'll like, oh, okay, man, let me know. And this guy kept hounding me, you know? So I'm like, you know, at this point, this guy is showing me more drive than he is talent. And sometimes that's better than is the drive. Because... This, you know, you, you could you could up your chops. That's not a problem. But if you don't have drive, you can't change that about them. No matter how many like motivational speeches you give them. So I thought, I'll take a chance on this guy. So I said, sure, you know what? I need a band, dude. I don't want to waste any time. Let's do it. And so we secured um uh, Yindra on the on the drum. So I got a full band now at this point. And I think I secured everybody like by March. Just to interject a second, yeah, because I have a quick question for you. So your particular style of music, right, when we're, we haven't even talked about the band name yet, right? So Oceans Away, just as you were mentioning earlier about your kind of punk background, and was it harder to find people who wanted to do the same thing as you musically, or was that just more of a, when they heard what you had? Great question, great question. Well, one thing I did on the flyer was I put the influences that I had. I named them specifically. This is what I listen to. But naturally, this would be what you also listen to. If you like these bands, you're going to like the music that I put. Was it hard? Yes and no. There were people who said, there, there were people who just wanted to be in a band, but didn't right, necessarily. That's what, that's what I'm anticipating. You know? Yeah, but they, they didn't necessarily play punk. And that, that was actually, the, that was the case for the bass. He was from Ecuador and he's used to playing like rock and Espanol, you know, and like, like cumbias and all this shit, but he's never been in a punk band. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do this, dude? He's like, yeah, bro. I just want to be in a band. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I really didn't have much to work with, you know, Craig. So I kind of did the best with what I had. It turned out working out pretty well for me, at least for the first single, which did really well. So you named, you, you mentioned the band name. So Oceans Away. We chose that. We couldn't figure out a name for a whole year, dude. We, we literally, it took us. Did right you get through a cycle of, of oh, different names for the project? Yes. You know, the band, you know. A hundred percent. And actually, you know, before I get to that, I mean, I just want to say the other guys, though, are total punks. Like the guitarist and the drummer are total punks, especially Yindra. Um, the guy from the Czech Republic, like he's full on. Like when we, we, when we met up, he had a flipped up hat. You know, he's got tattoos of like sailors, chicks, and, you know, like he, I, I was like, okay, this is the kind of guy I need. Chris, a little bit more conservative, you know, a little bit more, I'm an engineer, but I like punk rock. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he, he understood the music. I think getting to the name, yeah, we definitely went through a ton of cycles for what we wanted to call ourselves, and nothing was really sticking for me. And I guess our theme was we want a band name that reflects who we are. Like our story. I'm like, what the? Okay, that could be a million things. What do we, what do we call it? Like uh, the, the, I don't, the expats? <laughs> you know, can we narrow these parameters then a little bit? You know, it's, it's, sometimes names just come, right? And then other times they. Yeah. Well, you've got other things to kind of get on with, I suppose. It's yeah. And all they were, good time. 
we would ask our friends, what do you think of this name? And they were like, nah. Yeah. Other, other people were like, yeah. You know, so I was like, ah. Oh. So eventually we settled on Oceans Away because, and I'm personally, I didn't even like the name in the beginning. I thought it was shite, as you guys say in Scotland. <laughs> I was like, I just threw it out there. I was like, well, I mean, when I think about it, I literally had to travel in Ocean Away to come start this band. So I was thinking of Ocean. I mean, I, probably, I was like, Ocean something. At first, it was, I don't know what it was. I think it was Overseas. We were going to call ourselves Overseas. And I don't, that just didn't work. We were like, what? Overseas. And we would also go on like Spotify and see if anybody else had this name. And Ocean's Way wasn't taken. I kind of liked it. And the guys definitely liked it. I was still on the fence. And I was like, well, let's give it a shot. But it, it just, it started to make more sense as time went on. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, hell, you know, if anybody ever asked, I'm going to be like, well, dude, I had to travel to Germany to start a band and have success, man. That's a whole ocean away from where I'm from. So it just makes sense. If you think about it, you know, and uh, everybody seems to like it, you know, and, and it, it clicks. Everybody I've, you know, introduced myself to, I'm from Oceans Away. And, Badass name, bro. Hell yeah, I like that, man. Yeah, it just it just works and, and it, it suits the band's story really well. As well, you know, no matter where we end up, it's always going to be the origin. You know, we, I had to travel an ocean away just to start the damn thing. And yeah, the rest is <laughs> so we're currently in a in a regime change. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're currently, yeah, in the process of changing out members, um, unfortunately, but. Well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I'm happy for the guys and, and the time that they contributed to the band. You know, um, we're all very grateful for them. As you know, um, you got to let things flow, man. You know, and whoever's meant to stay will stay. There's no sense in forcing anybody to stay or have any kind of hard feelings. Like, it, it all happens the way it's meant to. So, um, no, I'm very grateful for them and their time. with, with And um, we're all still friends, you know. There was no bad blood at all. As far as the song. Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to, you know, to even talk about this, man. This is wonderful. Um, just to be on your show is really a great experience for me. I I was so taken aback when you, you know, hit me up. I was like, hell yeah, man, this is a great opportunity, you know, because I'm, you, you're catching me at such a crazy time in my life, Craig. In fact, you're catching me at the perfect time, dude, because so much has happened to me, you know what I mean, um, since I started this band. Break the Cycle. Man, it, for me personally, I know people can interpret it however they want. But for me personally, Break the Cycle is about breaking cycles of uh, what we call interge intergenerational trauma. You know, I like I mentioned in the beginning, I come from a very, let's just say, unstable background. It's usually as a kid or as an adult, it's how like your habits are usually picked up from your parents and their habits are picked up from their, their right? So. Basically, I wanted to break the cycle of that tradition. Let's just call it, because I it, it was never I never saw it as healthy. You know, drinking your life away, or you know, being violent. You know what I mean? Like these things never really served me. In my life. I definitely engaged in them at, a, at many points, but they never did anything good for me or the people before me. So I thought I want to break this for good. This ends with me. As I mentioned in the video, abuse comes in all forms, you know, physical, emotional, mental, whatever. And I've been through all of them. 
So, and I'm sure many people can relate to that, you know, especially in these crazy times. So I thought, well, I want to say something about this. I want to really put my foot down and like make an announcement like, hey, you don't have to take that shit anymore. You could stand up and be the one that says, fuck no in your family. And you can set a precedent for generations to come so that you don't have to pass this bullshit onto your kids and their kids and so on. You know what I mean? So I want to be the one to end that. And that was the main inspiration for the song, you know, and, it, and I think it was just brewing over time. And it was funny because I had that rip for the song four years, but never came to fruition in L.A. I couldn't think of lyrics and nothing. But when I got to Munich, dude, fucking just came alive, man. And I was just like pissed off when I was writing it because I grew up as a pretty angry kid, let's just say, you know. And I guess that's why I gravitated towards punk because it let me let that direction out. And this was the first time I could actually say how I feel and really put that anger into this song. I didn't name any names in the song, obviously, but there are people in that song who are very much, I'm very, you know, intentional about what I'm saying or, or, or even just like people who represent that. So that's what Break the Cycle is in a nutshell. A lot of people are digging it, dude. They text me all the time, every day. They're like, I love your song, man. Like the message, dude. I mean, it, it really speaks to me. I, I was a victim of domestic abuse. So thank you so much for writing that. And, and, or, or it could be for somebody who's trying to kick a drug addiction. You know what I mean? Because that can be a cycle in itself. So, well, the message you're trying to convey, we'll, we might leave that up to the, the listeners as well, right? To make the, their own interpretation as well exactly. but from what you're saying. Right. I have my interpretation, yeah. but I really want it to be a mantra. I want people to, to, like, to read those lyrics and for it to be like a Bible verse for them and to read it whenever they feel like they're oppressed in their life and they need some kind of outlet. And I feel like music is the best place to call them, you know? So I, I really wanted to do a service to myself, but also to, to people listening to it, you know? And if it helps people out, well, that's great, man. That means I've done, you know, more than my job as a musician. Because I like I like uplifting music. I, punk tends to be very self-deprecating, and that's what I want to steer mm. away from as as a punk rock artist. I want I want to empower people. I want them to feel like they can do anything, not break them down. How would you describe your sound? Just as you bring that up there, how would you describe your sound? We've talked a lot about influences and uh, wherever they come from, and uh, but how would you describe your sound or the sound you're aiming for the band for? Great question, man. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out myself because I come from so many influences. I mean, I obviously love punk, but I mean, I grew up with grunge. I mean, I, I listened to the hip hop. I listened to indie. I listened to gangster rap. I listened to, you know, uh, Mexican music, uh, Chinese music. And I listened to all kinds of shit. So when describing my sound, I want to go for something that's not formulaic. I don't want to sound like every other band. Like when I listen to the station that, so our band Ocean's Way, like every other band on Spotify, gets on this algorithm and they put you on radio stations that they think you would sound like. And a lot of these bands are great, you know, but I'll be honest, I don't want to necessarily sound like. That's fine if we do a tour together or something, but I'm not trying to sound like these bands. I'm trying to do this thing 100% DIY, like indigenous to my feelings and what I, like what I, the sounds that come out of me. I guess the best way to describe my sound, Craig, is I want to uplift people, but I also want to give them like a cathartic outlet, you know, because a lot of the riffs that I write, a lot of the music that I write is very cathartic. You know, like when you hear it, you're just like, oh, that fucking chord just hit me. It just hit a, a soft spot in me. You know, like that's the way I write. Um, I don't really write like, yeah, fuck the government. Uh, you know, uh, I, 
want to cut my wrist. No, no, I'm not. I don't want to be cookie cutter. Punk is my outlet, but my sound is very much coming from a whole ton of places. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of things in one, I would say, because I listen to so much music. So whenever I get a song or an idea, I will do whatever serves the song. Even if it's not necessarily punk, that's exactly what I want in my song. In fact, I was just having this conversation with the audio engineer yesterday. I said, this next single that we have coming out, it's a punk rock song, but it's also kind of has a rock and roll vibe. It's got, it's got like a, it's got a groove to it. The, the Break the Cycle is a straightforward punk rock mosh pit song, but this next song has got grooves. It's got breakdowns. It's got all kinds of stuff that you don't typically hear in punk, but it has those punk attributes. So I, I just want to express myself authentically and not be categorized. Like I love melodic hardcore, which is essentially what you can label Oceans Away as, but even that I don't want to necessarily be labeled as. I just kind of want to do whatever makes sense for our sound. I hope that answers your question. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Man, I can't really add much more to it, man. That was, that was a great answer. Uh, it's kind of interesting when I'm listening to American punk and British punk. So when I, when I was growing up in the 80s and listening to the radio as it was back then, you know, before you, you, or you would borrow uh, friends, older brothers and sisters, punk records and all that. And it, it was things like Stiff Little Fingers, The Pistols, of course, oh, yeah. The Damned, The Skids. I mean, it was a whole bunch of 999, I don't know, The Buzzcocks, whatever it was, there was a whole bunch Hell of yeah. that kind of, and that kind of resonates in a punk sense for me. Stylistically, I think more than anything else, it's like that kind of two and a half to three minutes. It's full on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of right here. The undertones. I mean, these are called undertones of punk, mm-hmm. or at least kind of the punk ethic of putting the sounds together. And it's kind of interesting when you hear other more modern punk, contemporary punk. You know, West Coast. But I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> so you have to forgive me. American punk. How would you describe it, man? Are you, do you mean the new style of punk that's out now, or yeah? Well. Pop punk? Pop I mean, punk. is that but is I that think pop punk is the best yeah. way to describe it because Blink-182 and Sum 41 and um, all these guys that came out like in the mid-90s, early 2000s were like taking all of those influences like the Buzzcocks and the Pistols and making them more commercial, you know, and appealing to like a newer generation. So, yeah, I guess pop punk would be the best kind of umbrella description for what you're trying to get at. Yeah, Trying to put your own... Uh, spin on things because that's a very distinctive tone, at least for me anyway. You know, it's uh, when it comes down the radio, you kind of know what you're getting. It's yeah. all like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and um, for me, like I said, I, I love punk rock, you know, because it's the music that makes that always made the most sense to me. Um, but when I write, like, I want to, I don't want to just think this has got to be a punk song. This has got to be, you know, like a certain label i i just want to, whatever comes out to me to come out you know and we're gonna make we're gonna tailor it our, the best we can to our own sound you know what i'm saying because i really don't like i said i don't want to be formulaic i don't want to sound like anybody else you know what i mean i mean of course we have universals that you kind of do in this music that i do but that's kind of where that ends for me like i i, I just want to be up um and if we do something in the song that is super unorthodox well hell yeah I mean, that's exactly what I'm going for, you know? So, um, yeah. Tell us a bit about the video as well, while we're here. The video is very well put together, Thank man. You, I must man. admit, the, the whole package, as it were, you know, you. song, performance. 
Thank you production. so much. Thank you. And if you oh very well. Done. And if you have a minute, I would love to tell you about that. <laughs> I would really please do. Man. I would really love to tell you about not just the the concept, but also the actual logistics behind that thing because it's kind of a miracle how it all came together. I'd have to say. So just to kind of give you context here, um, it was my first official music video. Actually, I mean, I've done plenty of performances. I've done plenty of shows and like Instagram lives and all that crap. But I had never done like an official music video. But it was my dream since I was a kid. Um, so I always had idea. I would always think of ideas in my mind, whether I was in L.A. or Germany, of how I want a video to, to look, you know. My idea for, the, for Break the Cycle was I want to capture the essence of the message in the video, obviously. You always want to do that the best you can. Not every video does that. Some videos have no freaking connection at all to the song. It's like, these don't, this doesn't make any sense. This is a hard rock song, but then there's like rabbits and sunshine. What the hell? <laughs> so music, that's the cool thing about music is it doesn't always have to make sense. But for me, I definitely wanted to portray some kind of angsty message in the video. So it's funny because it was the year prior when I got to Germany that, I mean, I started to really write the script in my mind. So like I said, we, we live in Heidhausen, which is a very artsy district. And as you know, Germany is very picturesque. The architecture is just phenomenal, man. Like when I was walking around, I was like, because Europe is just so old, you know, they like to keep that old, archaic, gothic look. And, and I just thought, as I was walking around, I, I just, I mean, I love architecture in general, but history and all that, like, it's just my thing. So I was just like, man, I really want this video. So I'd be walking around. I was like, okay, I'd make mental notes. Like, this has got to be here. That's got to be in the video. That's got to be in the video. That was a year prior, dude. We shot the year, the, uh, the video a year later. So I'm making all these mental notes. Fast forward a year, and I'm like, okay, guys, we the singles out, doing great. I really want to do a video. I I think I believe I gave us ample time to to prepare for it, but the guys might disagree because they were very they they were fighting in your mind anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They were fighting me on everything, dude. Like they were even fighting me on the song before we recorded it. They're like, you know, even that. Like I, I'm always the having to fight up heal battles just to get things done in a band, you know, because I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm very, and I'm also an Aries. So we do, and then we, think. we don't think, and then we do, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but it usually turns out well, and I, I was confident. And if I'm confident, I know it's good. So that was the case for the video. So what we did was, what I did was, I storyboarded it. I literally wrote out, like, I, I created a Google Doc. I said, and I would add pictures and and I would put text and I would put scene one, scene two, because I I actually went I worked at the New York Film Academy during the um during the pandemic. And before I I was let I I, I got furloughed because of the pandemic. They let everybody, unfortunately. Um well or fortunately, because I'm in the band now, otherwise I wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> but I picked up a lot when I was working there. I, I didn't study the camera. I didn't do none of that shit. I would literally just be at work looking at projects from these students going, oh, this is how you do a screenplay. Oh, okay, so this is, this is how you put that together. Oh, okay, cool. And I would read script, you know, and all of these things that I did prior to the band really helped inform the music video making process. But again, this was not like I learned it from a class. This is what I taught myself. I'm right there on the Google Doc, you know, writing it as I had, structuring it the best way I could. I wanted to really give it like a 
step one, step two, step three. And the guys liked it. Um, we would have like cold read. We'd have like a, a FaceTime and stuff um, going over the script and the guys liked it. They would put in their input. And it was funny because the original idea was like what, what you got in the official video is like super dumbed down water down version because what, what I originally had on paper was so much more epic than what actually <laughs> happened. But because I'm thinking Ben Harvey or something like that, but I've got all these I don't avatar or something. I've got all these kind of ideas in my head. But go on, please. No, yeah, I mean, and that's how it should be, you know. I mean, you want to think big, man. I don't think I said it wrong with that at all. Yeah, no. dude, think think big, you know. <laughs> then we'll worry about reality as, yeah, it, as it happens, you know. Reality definitely smacked me upside the head once I realized we didn't have the budget for this. Well, there you go. I was you read my mind. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, no, it's all about. We did this all about the greenbacks. Exactly, dude. I mean, that's 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 what makes the world goes round go round. Unfortunately, and I didn't have the capital for this thing. The guys didn't have the capital. Well, I mean, we had money, just not the money that we was required to get this thing off the ground, at least to the extent that I originally wanted. So, I mean, I had to really um, get uh, resourceful. So. I guess I'm getting into the, the logistics now. Um, sorry that I'm not giving you like the details of the actual music video, but I will get into that. I promise. I, I, yeah, yeah, it's all good. I just it's all good, bro. I kind of want to. I'm very OCD. I like to go in order. <laughs> we once I had the script ready, and once the guys more we had more or less um, a date when we were going to shoot it. What had to come next was the cinematographer, and this was before we even had an editor involved. I just needed a guy to shoot it on a camera who knew what the hell he was doing, who wouldn't charge me an arm and a leg. So I got online and I was looking for people and I found this dude from the Ukraine of all places. And this was at the peak of the war going on. So I thought that's kind of cool, kind of different, right? Uh, I, I mean, we, and we, we went through great talks with this guy and everything. We, we sat down, had, had uh, bought him a beer and everything, but uh, it didn't work out because he, he unfortunately, his price was way out of our range. So we had had these talks before I got, back to germany because i had come to the state to see family and then i was on my way back to shoot the video we did this in april um in spring of this year and still kind of chilly there but warming up a bit i thought shit dude okay what are we gonna do so literally when i the day before the shoot i'm out, i'm without a cinematographer like I, I i there's no way i'm gonna say no to this this has to happen I'm I'm a determined guy, dude. When I set my mind, you're taking no, no for an I, no, you're not taking no for an answer here, right? I, 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 can, I get that vibe from I you. I wasn't. Man. I was not. I was. I was like, no, we're gonna do this. We just got to figure out how. And the guys were like, kind of fed up at this point. Not fed up. They were just. They were. They were frustrated. You know, like because Europeans and Americans were were a different breed. So like, we Americans are like, it can be done, and Europeans, especially Germans, are like well, we need to have X, Y, and Z before we get to this answer. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. We don't see it that way. We're like, we don't need any of that, and we can still make it happen, you know? So I don't have a cinematographer, and this is the day before the shoot is supposed to happen. I scheduled it for the 9th and the 10th of April, and I'm like, dude, is there anything you can do for us, man? Like, is there anybody you know who's willing to do it? At the, I don't know. Whatever. And he goes, and this Ukrainian guy goes, I I might know somebody. <laughs> so, uh, dude, it was like nine o'clock at night, and this, I get this call from this French guy, who is named Art Arthur, and he he wants to build up his profile, 
um, as a cinematographer. And he goes, hey, my buddy, let me know about your video going on. Man. When did you need it done? I said, tomorrow. <laughs> he goes, okay, do you have a script? I do. Okay, sure, send it to me. And I'm like, can we do this? So I think this is for sure. He's like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. All right. So we, we talked for a few hours, sent him the script. He really liked it. I mean, all the cinematographers that I sent it to, and I sent it to quite a few of them, loved it. They're like, dude, you actually put thought into your script. Usually when I shoot a band, they just say, turn the camera on. Go to do something for his band, you know? (laughs) Yeah, just turn the camera on and I'll just do whatever. And and, And cinematographers can't stand that. Cinematographers need some type of direction. Right, right. They need a bit of guidance, and then from there you can. Yeah, because they they can totally offer their input, but a director really is the one that kind of guides you through the process, and that's what I am, you know. So I was like, dude, I got you covered, man. Like, you're not going to be alone. Like, I'll I'll help you in whatever you need throughout the whole shoot, and that's what we did. So we got her done, man. Um, it was a two day shoot, technically three. We had to cut it up into two days because logistically. It didn't match up for two of our guys. They couldn't be there. So the, the video was actually shot on two different days. We were, we were never actually in the same place at the same time. You can't tell that from the video, but we had to work around those logistical challenges. So me and the guitarist, we did our shoots. And then a week later, the bassist and the drummer did their shoot. And we, we had to find the right day, right? Because the weather in Germany is so unpredictable. I mean, it was supposed to rain. It was a 60% chance of rain on the day that we shot. Dude, I just had so much working against me, Craig. Like, I had just found this cinematographer the day before the shoot. It was looking like I wasn't going to shoot the video. And on top of that, there was a chance of rain. So I'm just, I was, I was, dude, I had never experienced that much stress in my life. And I was putting in the final details of the video the night before. So I didn't get much sleep. But the product that came out from that, was just unbelievable. I mean, standing ovation, and, and let's just put it that way, dude. Like, I was just so happy with the end product and, and the band. Everybody loved it. The guys who were originally saying it couldn't be done were all of a sudden going, yeah, oh my God, it's so amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> you just had to trust me. You have little faith, man, you yeah, know? Yeah, So It looks fantastic, man. It's a great, uh, a great example of, Putting that kind of collective energy together in the way you've just described it, they had all of those things maybe kind of oh God. not working in the same uh, uh, in the same well, circle as you, and then you're you're fighting against them. It's a bit like pushing water uphill a bit, I guess. Best I can way imagine. to describe it. The best way to describe. It. And I always seem to have. I'm I've become kind of an expert at working against the grain. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's how I produce my best work is when I do it despite the circumstances. You know what I mean? And um, I guess if we're talking about concept, the video itself, I'm very proud of because, first of all, we captured every location that I wanted to capture in the video. Everything that I wanted to be in that video, minus, wait, we did get the French border. I, I thought that wasn't going to end up in the, in the video. That's when I'm laying in the grass, kind of pondering in the sky. Um, and then that crow beautifully just flies over my head. And I was like, dude, please get that crow. And and he was able to just get him before he took flight. And I was like, yes. I I just I don't know, just weird little gothic things like that. I think are worth putting into a into a film. It was so much fun, dude. We had so much fun shooting this thing, walking around Munich, and you know, people looking at us going, "What are you doing?" Because they don't really shoot videos in Munich, you know. So these guys, 
people, you know, Germans on their bikes, you know, walking because they love to walk, looking at us going, what are you doing? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> it's myself kind of, I'm brooding, right? I'm, I'm brooding in my mind. Like I'm really done with, you know, I'm really done living like um, we had, we shattered a bottle in the video because that was sort of the um, proverbial bottle breaking, you know, the cycle breaking right there. I wanted to really put that into context. Like, yes, I'm breaking the cycle, but I'm also fucking physically breaking something because I'm just sick of all this shit, dude. One of the parts that I really want to discuss is, um, I don't know if you caught this. It happens really fast, but there's a scene where I'm sort of taking a bow and I'm reading this text on the floor. I don't know if you caught that part of the video. There's a memorial at the Gasteig um, in Munich, in the district of Heidhausen where I live, dedicated to this man. Gosh, I forget his name. It's Jorg something. And this was a guy who attempted to to murder Hitler. And it's funny because a lot of the stuff that ended up in the video, I discovered the day of the shoot. It wasn't even in the script. That wasn't in the script. I never intended for that to be in the video, but we were walking and I'm thinking, okay, let's get a shot of you behind me. So I wanted to capture that brooding. Right so as we're walking, I see this white rose on the floor in front of this memorial. Like, do, do you get that? That's super aesthetic. So I, I bend down and I go, oh shit, this is that one dude, you know, who, who, who wanted to assassinate Hitler because my girlfriend had. I think that was what it was called, the White Rose Movement. The, right, well, right. Right. the White Rose Movement, exactly. Um, it's, it's, it was like university students, if I remember. There was a. There you go, man. So it was. The names escaped me, but yeah. Exactly. I know where you're coming you from. You know your German history, good man. And my girlfriend was the one that told me about that. And when she told me the story about how these university students were like passing out pamphlets at school to kind of you know overthrow the nazi party i thought that was brilliant i mean that what a form of resistance you know what i mean so covert but like bringing people together so for me i wanted to make that connection with the the, the song's message because this guy i mean he he was um executed um and i thought man i want to pay homage to this guy and these people who were also a lot of students were killed as well who were trying to overthrow the Nazis. And I thought, man, well, these people were trying to oppress. You had these cycle breakers, like the White Rose Movement. And I thought, this is exactly what I stand for. People who want to shine light on the fucking evil, man, and break the cycle, you know? So they're just like me in that sense. You know what I mean? Just different. We're just fighting different evil, you know? But we're both cycle breakers. So I'm like, I want that in the video. That's great. So... Watch it again and check that out, man. I, I really love that scene. It's such a beautiful scene of the white rose in the video, man. It's charting very well on YouTube. Um, it, it's almost at 2,000 views now, and it's only been out for less than four months. And like I said, this is my first music video, dude. So that is, that is such a humbling feeling to go from nothing, like I said, nothing, right? No kind of people appreciating your art. And I've been doing this for 10 years, well, 20 years. And now people are like, I love your fucking song. I love your song. In Germany, you know? So I'm like, this is just um, astonishing for me, Craig. And I, I couldn't be more happy. And I, I believe everything happens when it should. And it's certainly happening for me right now. So I, I couldn't be more happy and proud of myself and the work that I put in.
Let me just give a shout out, by the way, because I, I thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, it wasn't just me that brought this to life, man. I couldn't have done it without Oceans Away. I couldn't have done it without the guys, you know, Yinger, Chris, and uh, Nico. You know, I mean, they they showed up, they 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 came to work, and they and they were working their ass off, dude. That whole year that we were a band, man, we went to rehearsals every week. We made our sacrifice. We we had to travel out of town just to go to our studio because our studio wasn't walking distance. I had to take a train. The guys had to take a bus, whatever, you know. So. My boys put it down, and I'm so proud of them. And I thank them for the fucking hard work that they put in. The cinematographer, Artie, man, oh gosh, what an eye that guy had. And, and so many things that he recommended that I, that I do that I didn't even think of. Like when I'm walking on the train tracks, that was his idea. I didn't think of that. That is right. You know, he's right. No, he's right. It's, uh... I was like, you're right. That's actually a brilliant idea. And, and it worked out. And, and it really built the story's um, like timeline. Such a cool guy and, 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 and so humble. I mean, and last but not least is uh, a man by the name of Misha. He's uh, in the Ukraine. He's our editor. And I mean, he had no part in filming or in the storyboarding, but he was certainly part of the editing. And the editing is everything, dude. Like, you can have great shots, but if you don't have good editing, you don't have a movie. And this guy saved our ass, man. And he did it from the kindness of his heart because, you know, he... He, I mean, he, obviously he needs work because he said, dude, because of the war, I don't have a job. I need this video. You need work. Let's, let's make things happen. And it was just this beautiful partnership. And it was such, a, it was so cool that it was such an international team. You know, everybody's from everywhere. His color grading was just fantastic, dude. I mean, even the trailer that we made for the video was like, I thought it was like going to be like this epic film coming out. You know, it was, it, it just created so much suspense, you know? Everybody, like I said, who was on board was a true artist, man. That's what I loved about this project was that it wasn't just me. All these artists came together to make this video happen. So it was a collective, man. It wasn't just me. So I'm really, really thankful to everybody who worked on the Break the Cycle video. Fantastic. What's the timeline for the next? Um, I'm taking it you've already got some stuff in the, in the can. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm in, I'm tra- we're tracking right now. I'm going to be finishing up the next single hopefully by next week i i really would have loved to have had this song out months ago um but i'm as you know i'm working against many different logistical issues um having the band together i now have members who are no longer in the band luckily everything's uh, tracked and recorded so thank god we have a song but um yeah i've had a lot of things working against me but filming ideally at the end of next month for the next video latest early november but i really don't want to do it in november because november apparently is the shittiest month to do anything in germany it's brutally cold um but well well, i'll tell i'll teach you a good scottish word then the weather might be a bit it sounds like a german word but it's a a scottish word so yeah you can work out what drich means just by your own description (laughs) of november right so i'll use that yeah the next the next song man i'm i'm really excited for because I mean, I'm just excited to put out new music because people are like, where is the new song? And I'm like, it's coming, I promise, man. I just, I'm in LA, the guys are in Germany. I'm working, you know, I'm trying my best to like keep everybody happy, you know, and that's not an easy thing to do. But I mean, most importantly, I want to keep myself happy, you know, and I want, I really want this next song to come out. And because I think everybody's going to love it, dude. It, it's a, it's a banger, as we say. <laughs> it's, it's, what I really love about this next song is that it's so much more dynamical. The first song was great. 
I love Break the Cycle. It was a wonderful introduction to the band. But this next song really showcases me as an artist, like my my skill set. Like I'm really flexing my muscle on this next song. You know, I'm, I'm busting out more solos. I'm doing cooler things and adding more dynamics in like in the music. It's not just like one, two, fuck you. You know, it's it's like uh, it's, there's a time and a place for that. Of course, oh, absolutely. Right? <laughs> plenty, plenty of time and plenty absolutely. of places. But this next one is gonna come out swinging, dude. And the video, um. But for this next video, I'm I'm actually working with um, Hollywood actors um, who 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 I want on in this in this video. I don't know that it's gonna pan out the way I want it to. Like I said, you're always working against things. But my plan is to have the I have these really cool people on board who I admire. I grew up in my you know, and I'm hoping that you know we can get this thing done. But no no dream is too big, man. And I think that we we can really do something special with this next song, which is an homage actually to Munich. Nice one. <laughs> we shall leave it there. Keep us posted. Robbie, how about a top five just to kind of finish things off? Uh, what's a musical guilty pleasure? I really like new metal. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, it's like, um, it's, it, it's a, a genre of music that has been like, let's just say it's been 86 and very much, how can I put it? It's uh, been like an out, kind of an outcast in, in the history of rock. But there's something about that weird music that I I just love. Uh, any particular artist in, uh, that comes to mind? Well, they're kind of coupled with like to put things in perspective. They're sort of thrown together. They're lumped in with bands like like Horn and Limbiscuit and Slipknot and all that. Mm. You know, um, I don't know what it is about them. I think because they have that same angst that punk rock does, but they do it in a very refreshing way. And I just have learned so many cool things that I'm bringing in now to my own music from that genre. And it gets so much hate because of like, they incorporate rap with rock and they had DJs and guys jumping around with jumpsuits. I get it. I get why you would hate that music, but. Uh, that song rolling, if I remember yeah. like that, that's kind of, uh, who was it? Did Faith as well? Like the George Michael one? Was that, that was Biscuit as well? Yeah. And, and, I've heard that many times <laughs> late at night in, uh, in clubs and all that. And many years ago now, but you're just like, oh, that's, that's it's rough, a, you know. <laughs> so, but people seem to like it, you know. It's so, a, guilt, yeah, it's a guilty pleasure. And, and it is. And the reason I say it is because I don't listen to it. Like, I wouldn't say it's my favorite music, but not by no means. But it's kind of like when you're on a diet and you're all of a sudden, all of a sudden craving like a Twinkie. That's how I see new metal. I'm just like, oh, that's just feels so good. <laughs> it's it's horrible. It's disgusting, but it's so good. <laughs> give us a give us a shout then. Um, who we should be listening to? Oh man, great question. Who should we be listening to music for? Well, as I said, I've been listening to a lot of like melodic punk rock lately, um, which is not new metal or any of crap. It's um. It, it's just got like it's got heartfeltness to it. It, it adds kind of a softer because it's mellow hardcore is just short for like mallet. So you're instead of screaming your lungs off, which you definitely do, you're now adding mallet. So it's kind of I'm a sucker for melody, man. I really love mallet in the music. So when I hear melodic stuff, um, it it really um, brighten. I don't know. It just really hits like the perfect note because I'm angsty, but I'm also, I also have that melodic soft side. 
in terms of who we should be listening to, man, God, I guess it would have to be Authority Zero. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, um, but they're a perfect example of what I'm describing, you know, because he, yeah, definitely give Breaking in the Sequence a listen. They are a, a band from Huntington Beach. They do alternative metal, and um, but in a very refreshing way. And the, the drummer is from Horn, David Silvera, whom I've had on the show twice. Yeah, they're they're a great band. I, I would definitely say give Breaking in a Sequence a shot. You know, they're up and comers, but they they're all killer musicians, dude. And and they're they're guys just like you and me. You know, had a dream and they're making stuff happen. They're they're, they're working with the guy from Corn, which is like a dream come true for any musician working with your your hero. You know what I mean? So I'm proud of those guys. I've been in their shows. I've been in their rehearsals, and and they work hard. They 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 show up on Sundays. So that goes to show how hard these guys work. You know what I mean? And we won't talk about Sundays in Germany, <laughs> right, man? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a whole other episode, I think, that's man. You know. Uh, all right, nice. That's, that's some uh, some good choices there. How about a go-to karaoke song? Go-to karaoke song. Um, or if you know your Korean nori bang, whichever you prefer. <laughs> oh man, I would have to say "Prison Bound" by Social Distortion. Yeah, that's my go-to. Um, I think I play it at any opportunity that I have, whether it's at a party. Or I'm just at a jam session with random musicians. I usually break that song out because it's so heartfelt and it's from one of my favorite bands. So, prison band. Win win. Yeah. <laughs> favorite venue, Robbie. So you played around a lot. No, that doesn't sound right when I say it like that. <laughs> you know what I'm like? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. With the best intentions. Uh, I think you good experience of playing venues, big and small, and dingy in backyards as you were saying earlier but uh, favorite venue, favorite venue some to play at favorites or favorite venue yeah yeah or, or both actually okay. yeah either I'll give either you, or both I'll give you both I'll give you favorite venue to play at favorite venue to attend I would say to play at would have to be I don't even know if it's around anymore the Allen Theater in Southgate <laughs> it's um a lot of old Punk rock bands have played there. The Skeptics have played there. The Addicts have played there. The Exploited have played there. Um, it's like this crazy little gem in like really rough part of LA. The Allen. That, well, I, I, the reason I say that is because it was the last biggest venue I played at as an artist. Um, like when I was in my punk band, you know. Um, that's a good one. I'm I'm sure there's way more that I'm that I'm missing. The Allen's great. Not the fucking key club. That place is gone. <laughs> the House of Blues. Favorite. Honestly, that that that's better than the Allen. Fuck the Allen. The House of Blues in Anaheim, California. That's my favorite venue to not only play at but also to attend. The House of Blues, man. That has just got a vibe, dude. Uh, is there a particular night? Is it one of those venues where you could turn up on a Tuesday, yes. Thursday, Sunday, and there's yes. someone who'll take your face off? In a good way, yeah, right? yeah, you know? and, it, and it's right by Disneyland too. So, like, you know, it's in a really cool area in Anaheim, and the venue itself is like in the heart of Orange County. And it's just every time I've been there, those shows have never disappointed, man. And the crowd is just crazy, and it it's spacious, you know. So, like, when the pit, the mosh pits break out, it's phenomenal, dude. It's great, and a lot of people like to stage dive there. 
yeah a lot of fun all right <laughs> i think the name is a bit of a misnomer as well just as you described it there robbie like the house of blues you tend to think maybe a bit more chilled or a bit more I think that's, of the blues persuasion yeah, right you know? right that's what it originally started off as i believe but rock and roll mm. blues is it, is, i mean the one in there there's two of them or there was there was one in los angeles and there was there's still one in anaheim the one in la was the historic one because everybody performed like literally everyone who's anyone performed at the house of blues um i think even the doors played there back in the day the House of Blues for me is up there with the Whiskey A Go Go in Hollywood. Yeah, so I'd have to say it's between the House of Blues and the Whiskey A Go. There are such fun venues, so intimate, and it's just got a perfect view of the stage, and the energy in there is just wild, dude. Yeah, so I really recommend the House of Blues in Anaheim and the Whiskey in, in Hollywood. Fantastic. Last question then. Uh, Robbie, someone you don't quite get might be like all the hype and stuff, and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm wording that very well. No, you are. I, I, I mean, yeah. I. As soon as you said that, um, I don't understand this hype about Bad Bad Bunny and Jay Belvin and all these. Um, not to knock that genre, but I don't understand the hype about these like regga- reggaeton singers because a lot of them can't really sing their lyrics are bland at best and they don't have much of a message behind it i love music with a message i need music with a message otherwise it just doesn't do i mean if it were if i'm at a club obviously that's fine but these guys got like fans in the billion and i just don't get it like have we really come to the this point where we're just we're mindless zombies we may we may well have fun yeah and i'm just like i don't get it dude and there's there's a lot of artists that I just I don't understand the hype. They're selling out like the Staples Center in LA. They're like like arenas, dude, arenas. And I don't get it. I really don't get it. Like there's there's really no trace of art in it. I mean, their videos are crazy. I'll give them that. You know, they have some pretty cool videos. But like what they're talking about and what they're trying to portray, you know, right over my head. It's just like better power, more power to you, dude. But I think. To be honest, Craig, that is more so a indication of, like I mentioned, where we're at as life. Like we're people have become very mindless in these days, and they're they're swayed by this little device that I'm holding in my hand. You know what I mean? They're just like it's become like it's the be all and end all, man. Right there, you the know? master of puppets, dude. You know, it. I mean, it, it it's done wonders, you know, for like marketing and stuff, but like. You know, this whole Instagram era, it's just, dude, it's just so empty and so fleeting, you know, when people are... When you talk about people's attention spans, even just that, they're just like swipe, you know, and that's it. They're just like, or uh, scroll, you know, and that's it. And you're just, it's it's gone. You're wearing a Pink Floyd shirt, for example. And I mean, talk about music that you have to appreciate. You know what I mean? Like music that you actually had to listen, sit down to and experience. You don't really do that much anymore. You can. Um, and there still are people who who appreciate it. I do, you know. But this these days, it's like you said, it's swipe what you, left. Or what do you mean the song has like that's a three minute done. intro and then it's not even started yet, right? You know, that's just that's just like the spooky organ stuff, right? Know? Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I'm much deeper than that. I don't get it. So for me, it's you wouldn't caught me dead 
I couldn't be caught dead with a Bad Bunny CD. You know what I mean? I'd rather be caught dead with a Limp Bizkit CD over a Bad Bunny CD, man. Because at least these guys cared at least somewhat about, like, the arrangement of the music. And, you know, um, I mean, I, I'm not by any means saying that Limp Bizkit are artists or anything like that. I think they're just as foolish as Bad Bunny. But I could listen to it. I can't listen to, like, this other you know what I mean? It's Doesn't it just kind of rubs you up the wrong way? Yeah. Or there's just nothing there to get rubbed by? You know, it's it's all about style over substance. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. To each their own, though. You know what I mean? Again, I don't I don't want to knock these artists. Again, I you asked me who do I don't. I get? think we all, I we all have that, right? So, and uh, people who like music, you some you're yeah. just like, oh man, I, yeah, I don't get it. You know, same thing with Drake. He's, he's, he's still releasing Drake. a song every other week. That's what it seemed to be a year or two back. He was like, oh, it's a new song. It was a new song. Couldn't distinguish one from yeah, the other. Just, hype is the best way I would describe it. It's hype. You know, it's a lot of hype. Um, because they're not really rallying around the music so much as they are, like, the image. You know, it's like, it's Drake. You just have to drop that name and then you get people going, oh, no. um, but I, I don't know. If you I said the word Drake to me, I, the first thing I would think of is Canadian, right? That's that's it. You know, <laughs> good friends of mine are Canadian, so. Right, right. But yeah, yeah, that's what Drake musically means to me. I'm just like, well, I, don't, I don't know anything else. He's just Canadian. Yeah, guy, and know? that was. Likes basketball, maybe? Right, right. Yeah, and he was actually an actor before he was a, a rapper. And that's when I realized who he was, I was like, you mean that kid that was in that little teenage soap opera? Him? You know? So that's that's who I remember as Yeah, it was kind of baffling to me that he has a career in music. But right again, place, right time, um, eh? I I'm, mean, who I'm knows happy. whatever things are going on in his yeah. in his yeah. wee world. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, and then also too, I don't like like a lot of the stuff that they get involved with, you know, these stories come out that they're like hicking hooking up with like really, really young girls, you know, and stuff and just shit that I don't fucking respect. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of these guys get away with that, you know, and I think that's not, that's not rock and roll. To me, you know what I mean? Like that's a big reason why I don't get these people and the hype behind them because a lot of them are doing some pretty shaky stuff. I don't want to say all of them, but a lot of them, I'm more for expression, you know, and art. I'm not about abusing my power to get, I'm all about the expression. One thing that resonates with me about punk or always sticks in my mind is it's hard. If you say you're a punk or you play punk music, you have to do it. You have to break. There is no hiding place from it, right? It's just, I'm in a punk band and I know right. what to expect from these guys here. Whether the, you can split the genres, mm -hmm. sure. But, you know, if somebody says to me, I'm playing in a punk rock band, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to get tonight. You know, that's it, you know? And I find, I find that genuine. Yeah. Right, uh, spirit, right, exactly, and genuine uh, uh, with punk rock musicians, you know. So yeah. I kind of really uh, gravitate towards that myself. Not musically, uh, I like I like listening to, it, but not playing particularly. But you know, I I really I yeah, I get it. Yeah, you know? sure. And and I guess to kind of put a you know a, as a final thought on that is um, the reason why I love punk is because of a lot of what you just described. Is you know you get for me, it was like a place of inclusion. Like punk gave me like a home because I felt like I didn't really have one. And it still does that for me. And 
I think that's important. And maybe this other stuff, music gives these other fans home too. And that's great if it does that. You know what I mean? But I guess the essence of punk was, hey, if you're an outcast, you can hang out with me. You know what I mean? And, and you won't feel alone. Punk makes you feel like you, you're not alone. You know, it makes you feel like you can be a weirdo, you know, which I very much am, dude. Like, I can be my weird self. I can be my eccentric self. And it won't be deemed as uncool or not hip enough. You know, like, I can just say whatever the fuck I want. And it, it's accepted. You know what I mean? It's that very much uncensored, like, I guess, DIY culture that I love about punk. That you just don't get with the mainstream. And what really pisses me off is that a lot of these artists are ripping off punks and wearing leather jackets now. And they have, like, anarchy tattoos. And they don't know shit about punk, dude. That's what I really don't like about these new artists. You know what I'm saying? Is that for me, it's the message. It's the movement. You know what I mean? That's what I loved about punk. What I still love about punk is that there's a message. There's like, there's a community behind it. And we're all in this together. We're like a brotherhood. We're like brothers and sisters coming together. You know, I don't feel that way like about when I'm at some other show. You know what I mean? But at a punk show, you feel that camaraderie. And that's what is important about the type of music. And on that note, that's a perfect way to end our, our chat. Robbie, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Hey. Good luck with everything going forward. Whenever next I'm next in Munich, uh, or you're in Dortmund, for that matter, uh, first runs on me, mate. Sounds good, dude. I'll come up. We'll have some Fallanners. We'll have some uh, Augustinas. <laughs> but, dude, thank you so much for having me on the show. I mean, this is wonderful what you're doing. Can't find my way home. I couldn't think of a better name for a podcast. That's just brilliant, dude. So, Thank you so much for, you know, the opportunity to be on your show, Craig. Keep fighting the good fight, bro. Right on. Cheers, Robert. Cheers. You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at can't.findmywayhome, on Facebook at expatmusicpod. And of course, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us there. Until the next one, this is Greg saying, cheers.